what has happened is that um, you know traditionally since men have been uh, largely the entrepreneurs the vcs a lot of them have been entrepreneurs in their past lives right uh, or past careers and and they are the ones then who join either the funds or start their own vc firms so that's where you see a large influx of many many men uh, who uh, dominate the whole startup ecosystem today tapping on this episode this is your host khushi khare and you are listening to the women's stories the only indian podcast where i bring extraordinary stories of unconventional business women i have always wondered what business consultation call looks like and why people are willing to pay for a business consultation call today i have shilpa ajwani to answer some of these hot questions shilpa ajwani carries an extensive corporate experience of working as a manager and director with firms like oriflame and tupperware yes the same lunchbox brand that we all are obsessed with she left her full time job to start a business strategy consultancy firm named Uno Mantra Uno Mantra uplifts companies by giving them the way to create their go-to market. Let us dig deep into the conversation and learn how you may also create a business around consultation services. Great. So first and foremost I warmly welcome you Ms. Shilpa to the season 2 of the Women's Stories a podcast where we inspire young girls and women to explore entrepreneurship. Uh, how have you been doing lately? very well khushi and uh, like your name suggests that uh, you know you spread a lot of joy and happiness hearing from you was great uh, made me even happier and more joyful i should say uh, what does a customer journey look like with you know mantra i hope that i'm pr- pronouncing the name correctly it's actually uno mantra and i'll tell you why um so uno is number 1 and uh, mantra we all understand so when i wanted to set up my own strategy consulting and leadership advisory firm i really felt that the name goes with the purpose of the firm and that is to really enable um leaders organizations communities brands to be their best version to be their uno version and uh, and that's what i do today so the customer journey is interesting my clients really approach me through the website or through linkedin or through referrals and uh, once they have approached and we've made that contact um the first meeting is always an introduction meeting uh it is always great whenever you're getting in a personal or professional relationship uh to meet with an open mind to really see that if you are the right fit for each other and the introduction meeting is so important and i spend a lot of time 
uh, researching for it, as well as uh, creating lots of questions for my uh, prospective clients, which I asked during that meeting as well. And uh, some of them have come back and really appreciated that, saying that uh, it was that meeting that gave them so much of trust and confidence in working with me. So it always starts with an introduction meeting. And once uh, we have, uh, you know, signed up and the agreement is all signed, we are good to go. Uh, Uno Mantra works um, in the domain of consumer and lifestyle businesses. And I work with uh, founders and their leadership teams, uh, CEOs of uh, small and medium enterprises. And with them, the journey really is a four-step process if we are doing strategy consulting, Kushi. So the 4D is simple. The first D stands for discover. The second is really uh, diagnose and determine. The third is design. And the fourth is uh, deploy. Um, so we take uh, in the strategy consulting process every client through these four steps, which makes it very logical as well as uh, easy for them to start looking at each of the steps in terms of how would they want to execute that ultimately when the strategy is all created for them. A lot of emphasis is given on helping them to reveal and articulate their purpose and uh, that's Uno Mantra's uh, secret recipe for success, I should say. Uh, it's called per positioning. And uh, we are very strategic about uh, helping them to discover their purpose and then building their brand, people and culture, go to market and community creation strategies aligned with that purpose. And that's perhaps something that we found lacking as a gap in the market when consulting was happening. Uh, and Uno Mantra uh, wants to fill that gap and do it in a way that makes growth sustainable, enjoyable, uh, as well as very healthy uh, for all the brands and organizations we work with. So that's one vertical of ours, which is strategy consulting. When Uno Mantra works with uh, leadership in terms of, like I said, founders, CXOs, what we do in that journey for them really is to also use the 4D approach. But this time it is at an individual level where we help them to articulate their own individual purpose and find alignment in creating a life and their profession based on their purpose. So that's the leadership advisory bit of it. And we use a lot of tools, techniques uh, that help to align everything together for them. And uh, that has created some amazing, amazing transformations I am personally proud of. So that's what a journey would look like. Yeah, I love the way how you reveal the secrets and especially, uh, you know, uh, you are like a proper business person and entrepreneur and I'm on the other side, like, you know, self-employment and freelancing. So a lot of freelancers are, uh, you know, introducing this as a service, you, consultation for other freelancers. So uh, I, of course, I don't know how to give proper, and I, the, the consultation course that I've already conducted, I see a major gap there. So this answer could, you know, just like indirectly help us to implement the right strategies. And sure. yeah. <laughs> build proper use it. <laughs> use it. Yeah. I think the consultation call um, becomes very powerful, Kushi, when you do a lot of work before that consultation call, which means researching the client, uh, their industry, um, what 
particular trends that you can foresee happening in that industry, as well as certain challenges that perhaps others might be facing, as well as certain competitors and how they are doing certain things which might be working or not working. So if you go very well prepared for that consultation call, you will be much more confident. Also, you will be able to ask much more meaningful questions to the client because sometimes they exactly cannot articulate what is the challenge that they are facing what help do they really want right they know they are stuck somewhere and they want you to help them uh, but if you are very systematic uh, logical and analytical in your approach you can really be very helpful for them and that is where i would like to just do a quick repeat of the four steps which anybody can use when they consult uh, as well so the first D is really discover. Spend adequate time in understanding the as-is situation of the client by asking a lot of uh, questions on, um, you know, what do they think about the business today? Uh, what really is their business? One of my favorite questions is to start by asking, so what business are you in? And that itself shows clarity or complete lack of clarity when people just start to think about, hmm, that's a good question. I never thought of it like that. So uh, otherwise they would just say, I just designed websites. Mm -hmm. But really, is that your business? Or can you articulate it in a way that becomes more meaningful for you as well as for your clients, right? So the discovery phase is a lot about understanding the as a situation and then using, um, you know, deep interviews if they have a team, for example, then you also would interview teams. Uh, if they are just an individual, a solopreneur, then of course, they will have to furnish all the answers to your questions. But the discover stage is very, very important. And many people tend to jump very quickly, you know, to the next stage, which I don't recommend. So after you've spent time in discovering their as a situation, the next step really is to diagnose and determine uh, where do they want to go? Because strategy is really what takes you from point A to point B, right? That's the how. But you cannot determine the how or design the how till you know where the client really wants to go. And that's where the diagnose and determine stage is very, very critical, where you would take all the data that you must have got in your discovery uh, interviews uh, with all the assessments that you would have made uh, all the techniques that you would have used to research uh, the as-is situation. Now you would start to analyze what that situation tells you to understand what is their positioning uh, versus the others, the competitors, what is their unique advantage, the points of differentiation, or perhaps they are none. And that's your job to help them create that point of differentiation, right? Um, and then to find uh, opportunities where they could start to grow and uh, create, uh, you know, a semblance of how would you advise them to do that? And then we come to the next step where together with them, you would design that strategy, right? How would they go from point A to point B to where they are today, stuck and challenged to really uh, growing and abundant and uh, really doing well? Um, so how do you navigate that? That is the design of what you would uh, really help them to build. And the last is deployment, where it is an execution roadmap, uh, because you just can't design things and leave it, uh, you know, saying good luck, uh, hope it works. No, <laughs> that's not advisable. So, so what would you do? You would really help them to create that execution roadmap. 
And when I work with certain established companies, what comes out is that there's a lot of change, right? Change of mindsets, um, upskilling that a lot of the employees might need to do in the case of uh, established businesses. So that's where a lot of change management also has to happen. You have to really hold them by the hand, navigate that whole strategy to execution piece, um, and also create uh, whether it is uh, objectives, key results, which is the OKRs, um, or uh, if they have any other way of uh, establishing metrics by which they would measure success and help them to understand that, implement that, and, and really help them to get started on that road to success. So, so these are some of the steps which I would highly advise that everybody follows through. Yeah, quite an extensive answer. And just a curiosity question, uh, like uh, you said that you measure those things through metrics, but how do you ensure that the people are employing those strategically uh, just the way you told them? Uh, so how do you ensure about that? Because metrics cannot merely tell if they are, you know, implementing the strategies as it is, as you told them. So how do you ensure right. that? Yeah. So, so I think, you know, what we need to do is always keep involving the people you are consulting for in the whole process so that they don't feel that it's somebody else who comes from the outside. For them, it's easy. They just create this blueprint and give us this big manual and PowerPoint slides and say, good luck. Right. So that's not the idea. The idea is that you're constantly in dialogue with them, involving them in the whole process of co-creating it. That's where a whole lot of ownership comes in that it is our strategy, it is going to be our plan. And when they see what's in it for me, if I really achieve those metrics, uh, what do I get at the end of it all? I think that's a discussion that has to happen, not once, but several times over. Everybody uh, needs to have skin in the game. They need to see what's in it for them. And that's where they would start to embrace those metrics. Um, even, you know, then a lot of them feel that it is tough or um, some of it just might be too difficult to do immediately. So that's where a lot of uh, advisory training, uh, mentoring uh, comes into the picture. <clears throat> so that is something that I also uh, insist on because, you know, not everybody is ready to fly with uh, a new strategy. So we have to have the patience to really help them see it through till the time it becomes their own and they can fly with it. Got it. So uh, what inspired you to enter into entrepreneurial world after gaining such an extensive experience in the corporate world? So Kushi, I um, had an experience of uh, more than 25 years. It's quarter of a century. So that's a long time, right? Building a career. And I worked... Uh, on all aspects of many businesses, everything from startup to scale to business transformation. And, uh, and I had the privilege of uh, doing that with a lot of European and American multinationals. And that sort of exposed me to a lot of uh, business insights, consumer insights, uh, because I was working across product and brands, categories, um, different cultures, leadership styles, business models. And that was also a time that there was a lot of disruption happening in the world in general. The internet had just started to come on the scene, right? So it's many years back, of course, um, you know, we saw technology disrupting supply chains. Um, certain products and categories started to uh, see such 
you know, impressive growth and, uh, and innovation that it became necessary that brands had to really shape up and be agile to run fast with the change in the market, right? So, so this is something that I, um, I you know, learned across uh, my journey of those 25 years. And I became a very young managing director at the age of 38. And, um, and I, you know, sort of realized uh, across that decade of uh, leading businesses and large-sized businesses that it's been a life of a lot of success for me. I've had the privilege of working with the best of leaders, best of brands, very purpose-driven brands. Um, what could life in its second act look like for me? So what could make this life a life of, uh, you know, from success to significance? And uh, that question uh, and the answer to that really came in the form of that, yes, I want to become an entrepreneur. I want to see a different innings for myself. And I want to serve a whole lot of clients and use my expertise, experience, successes, my, you know, mistakes, all of that and, and distill that into great learnings uh, to consult with consumer and lifestyle enterprises, especially startups. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, when I read that you were working as a uh, manager with Tupperware, so yeah, uh, yeah, Tupperware is a brand that it's very homely. I mean, you know, like mom is equal to Tupperware, school lunch is equal to Tupperware. So I was so yeah, oh, yeah fascinated with you know, like just uh, getting a chance to meet a people who a person who is behind the scene. For me, it's just a lunchbox. Correct, correct. But I think what, uh, as a managing director of Tupperware Brands, one got to see was the whole um, impressive community building that the brand had done. And that is why it is such an iconic name, even after almost 75 years of its birth, uh, the brand continues to uh, grow strong, it is across countries, and um, and young people definitely remember it as one lunchbox you couldn't afford to lose. Otherwise, mom would be really angry and upset. So, yeah. So, so this is a brand that has done it all by community building and being purpose driven uh, and not through advertising or uh, hiring influencers for them. Yeah. Uh, continuing to this conversation, what key elements you implemented in your entrepreneurial journey, which were inspired by your corporate experience? That's a really good question. And uh, I think since I was very intentional in distilling all my learnings and the best of those learnings and bringing them to the uh, new age organizations of today, um, one of the first things that, that really uh, I took from there, because I had the privilege of working with the best of brands, which were big on purpose. So with me, I bring the power of uh, becoming purpose-driven and leveraging purpose to build your business sustainably. That's the first thing. Uh, the second thing that I bring is the power of community. If you haven't noticed so far, I'm really big on uh, community creation. Uh, because one plus one is just not 11, it's 111 or more uh, if a brand really can leverage it. And community building will be seen as a big, big thing in the coming decade um, as it becomes more expensive in building brands um, by just using performance marketing. And uh, if you can get brand love by being an authentic brand, 
um, that's what will really make you iconic. So that's the other thing that I really bring uh, with me, um, along with innovative business models. And um, the third thing really is um, what I call as the power of uh, disrupting yourself. Uh, yeah, so uh, never get into a comfort zone. Uh, if we can create a culture of innovation and uh, make it people-centric innovation, uh, I think that's the other thing which can be really big because you don't create a strategy for business. The strategy is to uh, enable people, whether they are your employees, whether they are your consumers, whether they are all the other stakeholders that uh, are around uh, your business. Uh, the strategy has to work for each one of them and it has to be about them as well. So people centricity is the third thing uh, in creating innovation that I bring with me. Amazing. So you just used a term, uh, performance marketing. Would you uh, please simplify for our audience in a line or two, what is performance marketing? So performance marketing is uh, the digital avatar of how uh, we are actually growing our uh, brands, growing market share, growing the, the presence that a brand has um, by using all the digital marketing tools um, in terms of uh, whether you are giving Facebook ads or Google ads, there are very many different techniques, but the good part of it is that uh, they bring in pretty much measurable results in terms of ROI. And that's where uh, the term is called performance marketing, where you will be able to see uh, how your brand performs once you are able to use all those digital tools that are available to you today to build your brand and increase your market share. Great, great. I mean, extremely extremely insightful answers you are giving i'm loving it uh, so moving to the next question uh, why is it being repeated repeatedly said that the investment world is a male dominated and if that is so what steps could women take to abolish this um so you know, Guji, what is happening is that this whole startup ecosystem is just mirroring what society is mirroring, what we have seen or what we are still seeing in our professional organizations, right? Um, we will be celebrating the International Women's Day 2022. Uh, and uh, the theme this year is Break the Bias. And that bias is not just seen in the startup ecosystem. It is pervasive and all across. Mm -hmm. um, so it is really time to break that bias. Um, what has happened is that, um, you know, traditionally, since men have been uh, largely the entrepreneurs, the VCs, a lot of them have been entrepreneurs in their past lives, right? Uh, or past careers. And, and they are the ones then who join either the funds or start their own VC firms. So that's where you see a large influx of many, many men uh, who uh, dominate the whole startup ecosystem today. Um, I think just women doing their bit will not be enough, though there has to be a start there as well. Um, it's all genders who have to work together to create more diversity, inclusion, as well as a sense of belonging to the ecosystem, because enough and more research has shown us that the more diverse, inclusive uh, this whole ecosystem is, uh, when there is more equity, everybody really um, will grow and grow so much more, there is a multiplier uh, that this whole phenomena generates, right? Um, 
I wouldn't say about other women. Let me share about what do I choose to do about it, right? Um, because I have to start with my own self and in the capacity which I can influence things to change, in my opinion, for the better. So the first thing that I do is I work a lot with women entrepreneurs as well as corporate leaders, right? Those who might have an interest in entrepreneurship at a later stage. And I help them to build their entrepreneurial as well as leadership skills so that they have a bigger chance of success whenever they're going to pitch their startup to investors who largely will be male investors, uh, right? Um, when they actually have to hire employees and many of them do not want to work under uh, a woman boss or a woman founder. Uh, how do you deal with scenarios like that? And since I have been there, walked in the shoes, I can relate and empathize uh, what they go through. So all the advice is very practical. It is very meaningful and uh, it is concrete, which they can take back to their startup and work and hone their skills on. So that more women coming in, surviving, growing, uh, and succeeding as entrepreneurs uh, will see uh, you know, the funnel for uh, bringing in more VCs or uh, investors, whether they are angel investors or participating in funds in other ways uh, to be women. Uh, right. So I just feel I'm, I'm attacking it differently by creating more women entrepreneurs who have an interest in the ecosystem, help them make a whole lot of money, which they go back and can invest uh, in other startups to expand the ecosystem. That's the first. The second is that I write extensively on this topic as well. And um, I do um, on LinkedIn a series every Thursday called Startup Series by Shilpa. And in that, I pick up this issue quite often. Um, last week, I wrote about femtech, uh, a, a very, very important domain. It'll be a $50 billion uh, industry by itself, if one can call it that. And, um, and we hardly have investors really uh, jumping in to pour money because many of them do not understand these products um, or these technologies because they are men. Um, right. And, and that's where we need to create awareness uh, about men coming in and investing in these businesses as well. Also, more women uh, going in and investing in these uh, kind of businesses, too. So that's the other thing that I do. And the third piece is I speak extensively on the topic as well. Anybody who will care to listen to me uh, will hear this from me that we need more diversity, more inclusion, and let's have equitable um, startup ecosystem, which benefits everybody. So that's my contribution. I'm sure everybody can do their bit in their own way. Yeah. So would you like to re recommend some names of investing firms and in investors who are looking to uh, invest in more uh, female founded businesses? I think you had said that what can women do? So I am very impressed by a lot of women who um, have taken it upon themselves to expand this ecosystem and bring in more uh, women entrepreneurs, uh, run cohorts where they actually uh, incubate them and then help them to succeed. Uh, Vani Kola of Kalari Capital has started CXXO, uh, which is a program to uh, exclusively fund women entrepreneurs, women founders, and help them to succeed. So she's somebody who's like that. Um, Asha Jadeja Motwani, who lives 
lives in the US, but is uh, somebody who's a prolific, you know, investor, and she writes a lot on the subject as well, is someone who encourages it. Anisha Singh of uh, She Capital uh, started this venture to encourage more women uh, founders to come up and succeed. We have uh, Diksha Aguja of Encube, uh, who's really uh, trying to grow the whole space where she's encouraging, training, educating more women to fund women-led uh, startups as well. So, so there's a lot of work happening. I'm also impressed with the support Kamaljeet Singh of Fireside Ventures and his team gave to their women founders. Uh, they have Slurp Farm and Fable Street, uh, where the founders are women. And uh, I see them really having a great relationship. Of course, this is from the outside perspective. The same goes for DSG Consumer Partners. The way they uh, support, uh, you know, the founder of Super Bottoms, and she is one of the fastest growing startups now as per the Inc. 42 uh, list that has just come out. I observed that the other day. So these are some people who I think are now focusing in helping the cause of diversity as well. Of course, the business model and the founder need to have their own strength uh, to, to get funded by these uh, funds as well. Somehow, I have heard most of the names that you have said because, of course, in the journey of, you know, just uh, researching women uh, whom I can uh, interview on the podcast. So just for our audience, I'll share all the links in the comment section. So if you want to know more about these investors and moving ahead, would you like to tell about She Mantra as well, your second uh, baby, I would say? Yes, <laughs> for sure. Uh, yes. So uh, She Mantra is uh, a niche by invitation community of uh, women uh, coaches and consultants. I founded She Mantra in the midst of the pandemic. Uh, and uh, the purpose was to really enable uh, women in the coaching and consulting domain to come together um, and grow personally and professionally uh, through abundant sharing, uh, creating some very unique experiences um, in an open, safe, non-judgmental, uh, you know, uh, community that we create for them. And uh, with that purpose, we started off and uh, She Mantra continues to stay by invitation only. And yet we are 300 She Mantras uh, spread across Asia Pacific, uh, Europe, uh, North America, and the largest cohort, of course, comes from India. Awesome. So uh, could you please tell us how all other women can access that invitation code? How can we be also the part of the community? Okay, so uh, since She Mantra is a purpose-driven community, uh, you need to have 10 years of professional experience to apply uh, and need to be a woman-owned coaching or consulting enterprise. Uh, if you are that, uh, please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn uh, or email, which is given on my LinkedIn profile, and I will personally answer all the questions that you might have. Or you can come through a referral of an existing She Mantran um, as well. And that's how many choose to join us. Uh, and from time to time, I do talk about She Mantra. Um, and uh, many people hear about it and show an interest. So most welcome if you are this kind of a person, I think, you know, we, we would be very happy to have you uh, with us. Um, uh, just to make sure, I wanted to confirm uh, for our audience, is, is it a paid community? 
No, it's absolutely free. This is a passion project for me. It's not a commercial venture. And, uh, and it's just amazing how giving, how abundant each of the Shri Mantras are uh, because we thrive since we share and, uh, and grow together. So it's a passion project, not commercial. Awesome. Awesome. Lastly, a message that you would like to give through this platform to all the listeners out here. Well, the message at this point in time uh, definitely is live and let live. Uh, live and let live because the world definitely needs more harmony. It needs, uh, you know, compassion. Uh, it, me- uh, it needs collaboration. And we need to bring back and rediscover the joy in coexistence. Uh, there is enough for everybody on this planet, provided we are willing to share. Um, so if we live and let live, I think all of us will live and we will live beautifully just the way we were meant to be. If you like this episode, don't forget to share it with your friends and family. Do tag me on your social media handles. Up till then, take care of yourselves and keep spreading love. I'll talk to you soon.